0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد على آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about how the Muslims started to conquer the fortresses of Khaibar, one by one. We mentioned that there were eight main fortresses in the city. The city of Khaybar was divided into two main sections. The first section of the city had five fortresses, and the second section of the city had three fortresses, for a total of eight ma- main fortresses of the city. So last week we spoke about how the Muslims were able to conquer the first two fortresses, of the first section of the city. So they conquered the fortress of An-Naim, and then after that they conquered the fortress of As-Sa'ab ibn Mu'adh. So in the second fortress, the fortress of As-Sa'ab, they found lots of food and they also found heavy military equipment. And that was military equipment that the Jews had prepared with the intention of taking it to Medina to attack the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, after they conquered the fortress of Asab, they found that military equipment inside this fortress. And among this military equipment, there were catapults. Catapult is a device that you can use to launch objects into the enemy enemy territory. You can launch fire or you can launch stones into the enemy territory using these catapults. So they found the catapults there and they also found some push vehicles that were armored so that these vehicles could be used to advance upon the enemy enemy territory and attack. So they found these types of military equipment in this fort. So after the second fort was conquered, the Jews, they escaped and they fled towards the third fortress. And that was the fortress of Az-Zubayr. So now this time the Jews, they learned their lesson. In the first fortress that they were in, an naim they opened the fortress and they tried to attack and eventually the Muslims were able to enter that fortress. Also for the second fortress, the Jews eventually they came out and the Muslims were able to attack and they were able to enter the fortress. So now in the third fortress, the Jews decided, look, this time we're just going to stay inside the fortress. We're not going to open the gate. Because every time we open the gate, that is what eventually leads the Muslims to finally come in and infiltrate the fortress. So if we keep the fortress closed and we just never open it up, then they will not be able to come in. So this was their new strategy for the third fortress, the fortress of Az-Zubair. So they decided to stay inside, no matter what happens. So the Muslims, they surrounded the fortress, and they waited for the Jews to come out to attack, but the Jews didn't come out. They just stayed inside. And this fortress also, the fortress of Azubair, it was one of the strongest fortresses. It was built out of stone. So it was one of the strongest fortresses, and it was also on top of a mountain. It was on top of a mountain, so it was difficult to even come around and surround that fortress so it was very well protected and it was very strongly fortified and the jews decided that we have enough supplies in here we have food in here we are not going to open this fortress no matter what let the muslims stay outside and let them wait we're not going to come out when the muslims would try to come near the fortress when they would climb that mountain that was difficult even to climb So when the Muslims tried to climb and get near the fortress, the Jews would shoot at them with arrows and they would throw stones at them. So it was a very difficult situation for the Muslims. So this lasted for a while. This lasted for three days. And the Muslims started to think, how are we going to do this one? How are we going to conquer this fortress? We're having a hard time. So after three days of no progress, a Jewish man came out of that fortress. One man, he came out of the fortress. A Jewish man by the name of Ghazal. So Ghazal he came out of the fortress and he asked to meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Muslims took him to the Prophet وسلم, and the Prophet asked him, Mawaraak, what have you left behind? What do they have in that fortress? And the man said, Ghazal, he said, they have enough food and supplies in the fortress to last for a year. And this fortress is very strong and it's very well protected. And there is no way you will be able to penetrate this fortress. So then the Prophet ﷺ said to this man, Are you trying to scare me? Are you trying to scare me? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised me that I will conquer Khaybar. So I know that the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is true. So don't try to scare me. It's not going to work. So then Ghazal, he said, I know. I know you are going to conquer Khaybar. That's why I came out here because I know you are speaking the truth and we know, all of us know, all of the Jews know that you are going to win this battle. It is written in the Torah that you are going to conquer khebar So we know this, I know this. That is why I came out to meet you. The reason why I came out to meet you is because I want a promise of safety from you, for myself and for my family. And I want you to allow me to keep all of my wealth as well. And in exchange for this promise of safety from you, I will show you how you can conquer this fortress so the Prophet sallallahu he agreed to this he said okay you can have safety for yourself and for your family if you show me the way to conquer this fortress so this man he told the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam he said they have everything in that fortress they have food and they have supplies they have everything except they don't have water There's no water supply in that fortress. Because it's on top of a mountain, how are they going to get water? So then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, so how do they drink? You can't survive without water. How do they drink? And then Ghazal, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, there is a secret tunnel under the fortress. And it leads to a water spring on the outside. So whenever they need water, they secretly just go into that tunnel and they come out on the other side, they get their water and they come back without anybody knowing. You can't see them doing that. So then Ghazal, he took the Muslims to that spring. So they went to the spring and they saw the end of that tunnel right there. So this man Ghazal, he was telling the truth to the Prophet So the Prophet he stationed some Muslim soldiers at the end of that tunnel by the water. So now, when the Jews needed water, they secretly go under their tunnel and they come to get water like usual and they find some Muslim soldiers stationed there in front of the water spring. So they run back in the tunnel back to their fortress. So now they have lost their access to water. So how are they going to stay in the fortress now without access to water? So they tried for a few days to stay in the fortress without having access to water they tried for a few days but of course no one can survive without water so eventually they knew that they had to come out they had to open the gate they had to come out and fight so eventually they finally opened the fortress and they came out and they started fighting they tried to fight to the best of their ability but the muslims alhamdulillah they were able to overpower them and the muslims entered the fortress and the jews realized that this fortress is also going to fall like the previous two fortresses, and they fled. They ran off to the fourth fortress. So now three fortresses have been conquered: the fortress of Anaim, the fortress of Asab, and now the fortress of Azubir. So now the Jews they ran away to the fourth fortress, and that is the fortress of Ubay. So the Muslims, they continued as well to the next fortress. And Abu Dujanah, the great warrior, he was appointed to lead the charge at the fortress of Ubay. So the siege of the fortress of Ubay, it lasted for a few days. And on the last day, Abu Dujanah, he organized his soldiers and he prepared them in such a way to wait, just wait. And as soon as they opened the gate, rushed them. Don't wait for them to advance so much forward and start fighting, no. As soon as you see the gate open, rush towards the gate to get inside. So this was the strategy of Abu Dujanah So they waited, they waited, they waited. And as soon as the gate opened, the Muslims quickly attacked and they went towards the gate. And the Jews were caught off guard. They didn't expect such a fast attack towards the gate. So half the army of the Jews was outside and half was still inside and the Muslims came towards the gate. And the Muslims were able to enter the gate of the fortress. And once the Muslims entered the gate of the fortress, that fortress fell as well. And the Jews had to run away to the fifth fortress. So now the Muslims had conquered four of the fortresses. Al-Naim, al sab Al-Zubair, and Ubay. So the Jews, they fled towards the fifth fortress. And the fifth fortress, that is the last fortress in the first section of the city. Remember, we mentioned, that there were two sections of the city. The first section was called Al-Shiqq wa And there were five fortresses in that section of the city. And then in the second section of the city, which was called Al-Katiba, there were three fortresses. So now they were at the fifth fortress of the first part of the city. So that's the last fortress in the first part of the city. And that was the fortress of Nazar. So the fortress of Nazar, it was the strongest fortress. It was the strongest fortress and it was the best fortified of all of the fortresses. And because of this, because of the strength of this fortress, this is where the Jews had actually kept their women and their children because that was the safest place for them to be. It was the strongest fortress and the most well-protected fortress. So that is the fortress they actually chose to keep their women and their children in that fortress. But now they themselves had to take refuge in that fortress as well. So now the Jewish army along with the women and the children are in the fortress of Nazar. So the Muslims, they surrounded this fortress, but the Jews refused to come out. They stayed inside the fortress and they refused to open the gate because they knew every time they opened the gate, that is the first step to their defeat. So they kept the gate closed and they knew that this is a very strongly fortified fortress. So the Muslims, they surrounded the fortress, but they were unable to penetrate it. And the Jews, they refused to come out. All they were doing was shooting arrows at the Muslims from above. So when this went on for a period of time, when the Muslims had no progress in penetrating this fortress and the Prophet ﷺ saw that there was no progress being made, he ordered for the Muslims to bring out the military equipment that they found in the fortress of Assad, Bring out the catapults and bring out the armored push vehicles so the muslims they brought out these weapons of mass destruction they got them out ready to use at the fortress of nazar now the muslims they they didn't have experience with this type of heavy military equipment they didn't know how to use a catapult but alhamdulillah they learned how to do it they figured it out so they started launching attacks at the fortress with the catapult on one side and with the armored vehicles on the other side. So now, the Jews were on the defensive. They had to defend themselves. So part of the army was defending against the attacks of the catapult, and part of the army was defending against the attacks of the armored vehicles. So the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered that the catapult be used again and again and again, at the same point, not at different points of the fortress. But keep shooting, keep launching, keep launching. To the same part of the fortress so when you keep hitting the same place again and again and again it will destroy that part of the structure and the wall will fall down so this is what the Prophet sallallahu ordered for the Muslims to do so that is exactly what they did they kept they kept launching at one part of the fortress with the catapult and eventually the wall started to crumble eventually the wall started to crumble And the Jews knew that they would not be able to hold off this attack any longer. They knew that this was the fall of the fifth fortress, the last fortress of this section of the city. So the Jews, they fled. They ran away from this fortress and they went to the next section. They went to the section of Al-Katiba, the second section of the city. They fled for their lives. And they actually abandoned their women and their children in the fortress. They fled for their own lives and they abandoned the women and the children in the fortress. So, when the Muslims entered the fortress, they took the people who were in that fortress as prisoners. The women and the children, they took them as slaves. And when the women were distributed to the Sahaba, Safiya bint Huyay, she came in the portion of the Sahabi, Dihya al-Kalbi, now, Safiya bint Huyay, who was she? She was the daughter of Huyay ibn Akhtab. And Huyay ibn Akhtab was one of the kings of the Jews. He was the leader of Banu Nadir. He was not alive at this time, but in his lifetime, he was the leader of the tribe of Banu Nadir. So basically, he was the head of all of the Jews of the Arabian Peninsula. Huyay ibn Akhtab. So, to recap a little bit of the history here, remember Banu Nadir, this was one of the Jewish tribes that lived in Medina. When the Prophet came to Medina, when he made Hijrah to Medina, there were three Jewish tribes living in the city. And Banu Nadir was one of those tribes. But they were expelled from Medina for breaking their treaty with the Prophet a few years earlier. They were expelled from Medina for breaking their treaty with the Prophet. They actually had plotted to assassinate the Prophet, but their plot failed and they were expelled from Al-Madinah, the tribe of Banu Nadir. And Huyay ibn Akhtab was the head of that tribe. So they were expelled from Medina and they relocated to Khaybar. So while they were in Khaybar, their plotting against the Muslims still didn't end. It was actually the tribe of Banu Nadir who came up with the idea of Al-Ahzab. They came up with the idea of making this confederation that all of the enemies of the Muslims should come together and form one army and attack Medina. So they were the ones who came up with the idea of the confederation. They were able to bring Quraysh and Ghatafan and Banu Murrah and other tribes into this big alliance. And they went to attack Medina. And we spoke about that when we spoke about the battle of Al-Khandaq. But they failed. In that battle, and the Muslims, Alhamdulillah, were victorious. So, the enmity of this tribe towards the Muslims, the enmity of Banu Nadir towards the Muslims, was intense and it was extreme. And during this alliance, when Banu Nadir had created this alliance with the enemies of Islam, Huyay ibn Akhtab, the leader of Banu Nadir, he himself. He went to the tribe of Bani Qurayza. Bani Qurayza was one of the other tribes that was in Medina. So Huyay ibn Akhtab of Banu Nadir, he approached the leaders of Bani Qurayza, and he convinced them to break their treaty with the Prophet sallallahu as well. And he was able to convince them to break their treaty with the Prophet sallallahu And he promised them, he said, whatever happens to you, I will stay with you. So eventually, when the muslims were victorious in the battle of al-khandaq the prophet sallallahu he went to punish Bani Quraidha for their treachery and Huyay ibn Akhtab he was with them and it was decided that all of the men of Bani Quraidha would be executed for treason and Huyay ibn Akhtab even though he was from Banu Nadir he was with Bani Quraizah in this situation at this time so he was executed along with them so this was Huyay ibn Akhtab the leader of Banu Nadir the leader of the Jews of the Arabian Peninsula this was his end right so now this is a few years later in Khaybar and the daughter of Huyay ibn Akhtab Safiya bint Huyay she was one of the captives that was taken from the fortress of Nazar. So when these captives were being distributed, Safiya bint Huyay, she came into the portion of the Sahabi Dihya Al-Kalbi. So the Sahaba, they saw Safiya bint Huyay, she is the daughter of a king. She is a person of a very high social status. So it is not appropriate that she be given to anyone except Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa himself. So the Sahaba, they approached the Prophet Sallallahu and they said, Ya Rasulullah, she should not be in anyone's possession except except you Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet Sallallahu agreed with this. And Dihya, he very readily accepted this as well. So Dihya took another woman and Safiya bint Huyay was given to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wa and the Prophet ﷺ to honor her, he immediately freed her. He said, "You are free." And as soon as he said that, she said, "Wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa So the Prophet ﷺ was surprised. He didn't even present Islam to her directly or anything like that, and quickly she became a Muslim, just like that. So the Prophet ﷺ was surprised that she accepted Islam like this. And then she explained to the Prophet وسلم, why she accepted Islam. She told the Prophet وسلم, Ya Rasool Allah, when you first made Hijrah to Medina, this was years ago, when you first made Hijrah to Medina, Ya Rasulullah, I was a little girl at that time. Sophia bin 3 she was a young girl at that time. And she said, My father, Huyay ibn Akhtab, and my uncle, Abu Yasir ibn Akhtar, they had a conversation amongst each other. And it was decided that my father, he would go to see you and meet you and listen to you to see if you were the prophet that was prophesized in the Torah. They knew that it was time for a prophet to come. So my father decided to go and listen to you and see you to see if you were the prophet that was mentioned. In the Torah so my father he went and he listened to you and then he came back and then my uncle Abu Yasir he said to him A hua hua? is it him is he the Prophet that is mentioned in our scripture in our scripture and my father he said Yahud, by the Lord of the Jews by Allah it is him he is the one who is mentioned in our scripture. He is the true messenger that has been prophesied in the Torah. So then Abu Yasir, he asked Huyay, So what do you want to do? What are you going to do now? And Huyay ibn Akhtab, he said, I will be his enemy until the end of time. So this conversation is going on between Huyay ibn Akhtab and his brother Abu Yasir ibn Akhtab and Safiya, the daughter of Huyay, she overhears this whole conversation. She's a little girl and she overhears this conversation and she's shocked. They know that he is the true Prophet of Allah that is mentioned in the Torah and still they are planning to be his enemy? She knew that this didn't make sense and from that point islam entered her heart and she knew that muhammad was the messenger of allah but she couldn't accept islam openly at that time even though she believed it in her heart she couldn't declare herself to be a muslim because she knew that her father and her family would give her problems for that but now she was in a situation where she could openly proclaim islam she had her chance now to proclaim islam so she did so so she said ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa annaka rasulullah I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah ya rasulullah So this is the islam of Safiya bint Huyay anha So she became a muslim alhamdulillah and eventually some time later the prophet sallallahu alaihi married her and she became from the ummahatul mu'minin anha wa ardaha and she was known to be a woman of great character, of very good manners. She was a woman of taqwa. She was a woman of piety. She was a woman of righteousness. And the other wives of the Prophet ﷺ, sometimes they would get jealous of each other, right? And this is a natural thing for women. And it's nothing to blame them for. But they couldn't find anything to say against Safiyyah. anha. She was so good in everything that they couldn't find any, anything to say against her. So sometimes, just in order to bother her, they would call her, Ya Bint Yahudi, O Daughter of a Jew. And this would really hurt her feelings. This would really hurt her feelings. Her father was Huye ibn Akhtab. So they used to call her Daughter of the Jew. So sometimes she would cry when they would say this. So one time, the Prophet sallallahu found her crying. And he asked her, why are you crying? And Safiya radiallahu anha, she said, they are calling me the daughter of a Jew. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, next time they say that to you, this is what you have to tell them. Tell them, Abi Harun wa Ammi Musa wa Zawji Muhammad. Next time if they say that to you, then tell them, my father is Harun, my uncle is Musa, and my husband is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who else has this honor? So next time they said that, she used this response and they couldn't say anything. So the Prophet ﷺ helped her and he, he showed her and he taught her how to defend herself. رضي الله عنها ardaha. So now the Jewish army, they had to flee to the second section of the city, the section of Al-Katibah. They had lost the whole first section of the city. Now they had to go to the second section of the city, which had three fortresses. So the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, they followed them to Al-Katiba, to the second section of the city, and they brought along the catapult as well because they saw that this was very effective. This was a very good weapon to penetrate the fortress. So they brought the catapult along as well. So now... The Muslims had conquered five fortresses in the first section of the city and now they were in the second part. So it was very clear that the Muslims were winning this battle. It was very clear that the Muslims were winning this battle and the Jews were losing. Now, at this point, when more than half of the city has already been conquered, five fortresses have been conquered and they're in the second section of the city. Now at this point, the leader of Ghatafan, Uyayna ibn Hisn al-Ahmaq al-Muta'a, He comes back to Khaybar. And remember how he left Khaybar before the fighting even started when the soldiers of Ghatafan heard a shout from the sky. They heard a shout from the sky that, Ghatafan, your people have been attacked. Save your women, save your children, go back. So they they left even before the fighting started. They had promised the Jews that they would support them, and Uyena ibn Husn actually brought a lot of soldiers to support them. But even before the fighting started, they ran back to Ghatafan because they thought something happened to their people. But when they went back to Ghatafan, they realized that there was nothing. So now, so many days later, the Muslims had already conquered more than half of the city. They're in the second section of the city. Uyayna ibn Husn and his soldiers, now they come back to Khaybar. Now they come back to Khaybar, And they see that the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims are really, really winning this battle. And the Prophet has already started distributing spoils of war, spoils that they collected from all of these fortresses that they have conquered. So Uyayna ibn Hassan, he sees this. And he goes to meet the Prophet and he said to the Prophet Ya Muhammad, give me some of these spoils, give it to me, as a reward that I didn't help the Jews to fight against you. So the Prophet ﷺ said, you left because you heard that shout from the sky. You didn't leave because I told you to leave. I tried to convince you to leave, but you refused. And you only left when you heard that shout from the sky. So don't try to play this game. So Uyayna ibn Hussein thought that he could be clever, but he was not able to fool the Prophet ﷺ. Then Uyayna, he started to beg. He said, just give me something. You are Karim, ya Muhammad. You are very generous. Please give me something. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, you can have dhurraqabah. You can have dhurraqabah. So then Uyayna, he said, what do you mean? What is dhurraqabah? And then the Prophet Wasallam said, didn't you have a dream? Didn't you have a dream that you are asking me for some of this wealth? And then I said to you, you can have dhurraqabah? So the Prophet knew this dream that Oyena had, and Uyayna said, "Yes, I had this dream. I had this dream." So the Prophet said, "Okay, you can have the So when Oyena went to see what is the Rukaba, the was just a dry, empty mountain with nothing on it. So when Oyena went and he said, "He saw, okay, I have this mountain. What's the use of this for me? It's nothing." He felt insulted. He felt insulted that this is all he gets. Basically, he gets nothing he gets a mountain that will be of no use to him so then he was very angry and he went back to the Jews and he said okay I'm here to support you now and then the Jews said to him you are here to support us you have let us down every time we asked for your help in the battle of Al-Ahzab the battle of, of Khandaq you left with your soldiers and now you sent your soldiers to support us but before the fighting even started you left with your soldiers. All of our problems it's because of you. We don't want your help. We don't need your help. Please just leave. So the Jews even dismissed him. So now he was being insulted and he was being reprimanded from all sides. So he had to leave with nothing. So this is Uyayna ibn Hisan also known as al ahmak al mutaa The fool who is obeyed by his people so now the Muslims they're in the second section of Khaybar they're in the section of Al-Katiba and the siege in the second section of of Khaybar lasted for 14 days and the Jews they stayed inside their fortress and the Muslims started to prepare to use the Manjaniq again to use the catapult again now Kinana ibn Rabi' ibn Abil Huqayq who is the leader now of Banu Nadir one of the leaders of the Jews. He was very scared. He couldn't even function properly and he was physically actually shaking out of fear. He knew that he couldn't fight in this state. He knew that now the Muslims had already conquered five fortresses and now it was just a matter of time before they conquered the rest and he was in a state of extreme fear. He is the leader and he's shaking. So he knew that he couldn't go on that this fighting couldn't go on. So he decided the best thing to do now we need to just surrender we can't do anything anymore we need to surrender so he consulted his people he said should we make a treaty with muhammad and they all agreed they said yes yes we should make a treaty with him we need to surrender we can't do this anymore they all agreed so the prophet sallallahu wasallam he agreed to accept their surrender under certain conditions so the conditions were that the jews they must leave khaybar and they must leave the arabian peninsula leave khaybar and leave the arabian peninsula They could go to Sham, but they cannot stay in the Arabian Peninsula. Also, they must leave behind all of their weapons and they must leave behind all of their gold and all of their silver. They cannot take any gold and silver with them. Other belongings that they have, they can take, but they cannot take any gold and silver. And they must not hide any gold or silver. They must not try to hide any treasure, bury it or anything like that so the Muslims can't take it. No. They must not hide any gold or silver. And if anyone is caught hiding even a little bit of gold or silver, not only that person, but all of the Jews will be executed for that. So this was a very strict condition. And they understood these conditions and they agreed to all of these conditions. And Kinana ibn Rabi' ibn Abil Huqayq, the leader of the Jews, he signed this treaty and he agreed to all of these conditions and all of the Jews they agreed to the conditions so the Jews now they opened all of the fortresses they left their weapons they left their gold they left their silver for the Muslims to take so this was a huge ghanima this was huge spoils of war for the Muslims the Muslims had never had this type of wealth before since the beginning of the messengership of the prophet sallallahu the muslims had never had this type of wealth before that they had when they conquered khaybar huge amount of wealth ibn umar he said we never ate our fill we never ate our fill we were always hungry until the victory of khaybar after the victory of khaybar then we were able to eat well alhamdulillah so after this the jews they were preparing to leave khaybar to abide by the conditions of the treaty. They were getting ready to leave Khaybar. But then they thought of another solution that they could present to the Prophet instead of leaving Khaybar. So they went to the Prophet they approached him and they said, Ya Muhammad, we know these farms and we know this land better than you and your people. We will be able to cultivate this land better than you guys can cultivate it. So just let us stay. And cultivate the land as your workers you are the owners of the land but let us just stay as your workers and let us cultivate the land for you and you give us a percentage of the yield give us a percentage of the fruits as our payment for cultivating the land for you so it's your land you are the owners but we are working for you and as a payment we just get a percentage of the fruits so the Prophet he agreed to this he agreed to this he said okay you can stay and you can work on the land, but the land is the property of the Muslims. You can stay in the homes here, but the homes are the property of the Muslims and you are staying in those homes with permission, with permission of the Muslims. You don't own anything. You don't own any property. But you are just staying here with our permission and as our workers. And as a payment for your work on the land, you will get 50% of the yield. So this was a very generous offer by the Prophet wasallam. So now the Jews were allowed to stay in Khaybar. They didn't have to leave, so they were very happy. They were very happy to accept this settlement. All right. Now, going back a little bit. A few years back, when Banu Nadir, when they were expelled from Al Medina, Huyay ibn Akhtab and Banu Nadir, his tribe, they were expelled from Medina and they went to Khaybar. When they left Medina, Huyay ibn Akhtab he had a huge treasure with him. He left Medina with a huge treasure of gold and silver. And he took that with him when he was expelled from Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ at Khaybar, he was expecting to find this treasure. Now Huyay ibn Akhtab was dead. But the Prophet ﷺ was expecting that he must have left this treasure with someone there. Maybe with Kinana ibn Rabi' ibn Abil Huqayq. That was the son-in-law of Huyay ibn Akhtab. So the Prophet ﷺ was expecting to find the treasure of Huyay ibn Akhtab, the huge treasure of Huyay ibn Akhtab in Khaybar, but he didn't find it. But then a man came to the Prophet, ﷺ, a man from the Jews, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, and he said, I am seeing Kinana ibn Rabi' ibn Abil Huqayq and his brother Rabi' ibn Rabi' ibn Abil Huqayq. I'm seeing these two brothers, they are hanging around some part of the wreckage, an area where there is wreckage, they're hanging around there, and they're doing something suspicious over there. So this man, he informed the Prophet ﷺ about this. So the Prophet ﷺ confronted Kinana, and he asked him about the treasure. He asked him, where is the treasure of Huyay ibn Akhtar? And Kinana said, I have no idea, I have no knowledge about this. And the Prophet ﷺ said, remember the conditions of the treaty, if you have hidden it, If you have hidden it, then you will be killed and your people will be killed. And Kinana, he promised, he said, no, I have no idea. I don't have this treasure. So then the Prophet ﷺ ordered for the area of that wreckage where they were suspiciously hanging around, the Prophet ﷺ ordered for that area to be dug up. And they dug it up. And what did they find? They found the treasure of Huyay ibn Akhtab full of gold and silver. And the Prophet ﷺ asked Kinana, Ya kinana, what is this ya kinana? and Kinana started shaking out of fear, he knew that this is it that he had broken the condition of the treaty and he knew that this is the time for his execution and he feared that all of the Jews are going, of, of Khaybar are going to be executed as well because of this, so he started to shake in fear And he started to apologize to the Prophet but the Prophet ordered for the execution of Kinana ibn Rabi' and his brother Rabi' ibn Rabi' both of them. But out of his mercy, the Prophet he spared the rest of the Jews. Even though, from the conditions of the treaty, was that if anyone is found hiding anything, then the Jews, all of them, will be executed. But the Prophet ﷺ did not implement that out of his mercy. Rather, he only killed the ones who were guilty of this crime, Kinana and his brother Rabia. So they were executed. So now the Jews were very happy that the Prophet ﷺ spared them from being executed. Even though they agreed that if this happens, they would be executed, the Prophet ﷺ spared them from that. So they were very happy. So one of the Jewish women, Zainab bint al-Harith, she invited the Prophet ﷺ to a feast. And she said to him, Ya Muhammad, you could have killed us. We agreed to those conditions. So you could have killed us, but you spared us. You let us live. So to show our gratitude, I want to invite you to a feast. I I want to prepare a feast for you. And I want you and your companions to come and eat from that feast. As a show of our gratitude towards you. So this was a woman named Zainab bint al-Harith. So the Prophet ﷺ accepted this invitation. So Zainab bint al-Harith, she cooked a goat. She prepared this goat for the feast. And she asked the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, what is the favorite part of the animal that the Prophet ﷺ likes to eat? And the companions told her he likes the shoulder. So Zainab bint Al-Harith, she prepared this goat and she poisoned it. She put poison in it. And she put extra poison in the shoulder. Because she wanted the Prophet ﷺ to eat that and she wanted to actually kill him. This was her intention. So she prepared the feast, and the Prophet ﷺ and his companions sat down to eat. One of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ named Bishr ibn al-Bara, عنه, he took a bite. And the Prophet ﷺ put a morsel in his mouth, but then he spit it out. And he told his companions, Irfa'u raise your hands, do not eat the meat, do not eat and the prophet sallallahu told his companions this goat is poisoned then the prophet sallallahu ordered for zainab bint al harith to be brought to him and he asked her did you poison this goat and zainab she said man akhbarak who told you and the prophet sallallahu said the arm of the goat told me even though this goat was dead and it was cooked the arm of the goat itself informed the prophet sallallahu i am poisoned this goat is poisoned so the prophet sallallahu told her and she said i wanted to kill you so this is the attempt of the jews on the life of the prophet sallallahu so now when the Prophet Sallallahu had put that piece in his mouth, he actually put a piece in his mouth before the arm of the goat told him that it was poisoned. So a small amount of that poison was actually ingested by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi As for Bishr ibn al-Bara, the companion, he actually ate a bite of it. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, by ingesting this small amount of poison, he felt the effects of that poison and he would feel the pain from that poisoning for the rest of his life. And when the Prophet ﷺ was in his final illness, when he was about to pass away, he said to Aisha radhiallahu anha, he said, يَا عَائِشَةَ مَا أَزَالُ أَجِدُ أَلَمَ الطَّعَامِ الَّذِي أَكَلْتُ بِخَيْبَرِ فَهَاذَا أَوَانُ وَجَدْتُ إِنْ قِطَاعَ أَبْهَرِ مِنْ ذَلِكَ السُّمْ so when the Prophet sallallahu was about to pass away, when he was in his final illness, he said to Aisha anha, Ya Aisha, I still feel the pain of the food that I ate on the day of Khaybar. But this time, this time I have found that it is cutting off my aorta. And the Prophet sallallahu died in his final illness due to the effects of that poison. The poison eventually it is what led to the death of the Prophet وسلم, three years after Khaybar. And this was an honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet وسلم, that he died as a shaheed, that he was actually killed by this Jewish woman, Zainab bint Al-Harith. As for Bishop, the companion who ate a bite of that, that meat, after he ate that meat, he became paralyzed with the effect of that poison. So for about a year he was paralyzed and then after about a year after eating the poison, he died. And the Prophet ﷺ died a couple of years after that. So when Bishr died, then the Prophet ﷺ ordered for the execution of Zainab bint al-Harith because she murdered Bishr. So he didn't execute her immediately, but when Bishr died uh, about one year after the incident, then he ordered for the execution of Zainab bint al-Harith because she killed Bishr. Uh, Ibn Al-Bara' radiyallahu anhu. So, these are the events of Khaybar, and this is how the Muslims conquered Khaybar. And after Ramadan, inshallah we will continue with the seerah of the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit us from this knowledge. Ameen. Wallahu alam, sallallahu wa sallam, wa baraka ala nabiina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.